Hello and welcome to the Foxhole, a full battle rattle podcast, the show that brings you the real time, on the ground truth, perspectives, and the latest information. I'm your host, Chief Warrant Officer Taj Keeler. Now, let's log in. Our guest today is Colonel Brian J. Slaughter, the 166 Regional Support Group Commander. Today, we're going to discuss what does it mean to empower leaders, and we're going to discuss about his eight points of his command philosophy. Welcome, sir. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Glad sir, to be here. Yes, sir. I'm excited to give soldiers an opportunity to meet you because, as you know, you have over 2,000 soldiers. Yes, you had the big change of command ceremony, but most soldiers will never have the opportunity to be able to meet you as a person. So, sir, we want to jump right into it. So, right. before we begin, a lot of leaders, and especially junior officers, at the company command level of your LTs, your company commanders, your first sergeants, we really don't get a chance to hear from them because battle assembly is so quick. We have the YTB. We have all these different things that maybe take time up for mentorship. But if you had an opportunity to talk about empowering leaders, what would that? What would your thoughts be on empowering leaders? Well, I mean, so first of all, you mentioned not being able to talk to soldiers and mm-hmm. see soldiers, and I think that's a tragic. Mm-hmm result of something so big, something so spread out that we don't get the opportunity, I don't get the opportunity to go out and speak individually to soldiers or meet everyone and their families and all that. That's the nature of the reserves and like you said, the nature of time, right? 24 Mm -hmm. weekends and 14 days for AT. Yes, sir. I mean, not 24 weekends, 24 days, right? Right. Um, And it's, I hate that, honestly. (laughs) I mean, you know, you you did ask me to come on here and speak the truth, right? And I think it is, it's tough that I don't get to spend a lot of time with soldiers that, you know, we have to do things at the command level. Uh, I wish there was a way to rectify that, but, you know, there isn't. It's not like the active components. Yes, sir. You're with your soldiers every day and you can build cohesive teams. Um, but to that end, it's not all negative. We need to um, find ways to overcome that and build those cohesive teams and be uh, together and watch each other's back and figure out ways that at the lowest level, because now to bring this around to your question about empowerment, right, is to, I, I mentioned the, the command philosophy. The first thing is to clear the obstacles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you want me to get into the command philosophy now. So let's get into now, it. But let's get into it. I mean, I, that's how I kind of wrote it is actually, I don't I almost feel like this is a softball question, right? Mm-hmm. I get to answer it. So yeah, to, to empower commanders or even at the lowest level, the squad leader, right? It's it's to clear obstacles. So it's our responsibility as leaders to clear the noise, uh, get that stuff that just bites us in the ankles all the time, the the medical readiness, the dental readiness, the, the evaluations, the, the sharp training, all the things that are out there that just add to us is to kind of capture that and then figure out ways to make it have less of an impact on soldiers so yes, they sir. can go out and do their training and yes, that's sir. what I mean by that and that's what I you know I expect so mm. my leaders are empowered you know those that are listening to this to make decisions at the lowest tactical level to clear obstacles right you're still responsible for your metrics but figure out a way to to clear it out and keep it from from driving your training or driving your battling assembly right let's just get it done yes sir so when you speak about clearing obstacles, that's a tough one because in the current organizational culture or many organizational cultures that are out there, clearing obstacles is tough because that means that leader has to be vulnerable. That leader has to say, 
sir, maybe I'm lacking in this area or sir, maybe I have, you know, my supervisor here that will not allow me to to be great, to be innovative, to shake the room, to change the way we do business. How do leaders begin to be able to clear obstacles when they don't feel safe? Yeah, well, I mean, so I can tell you, right, you're safe. Yes, sir. And I'm glad you asked it like that because we have this zero defect mentality, I think, in the Army, in the Army Reserve, and I think the MSC has a lot of that too. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I want to stick my chest out and say, I got this, I can do this. Uh, it's okay to fail. I want you to fail. If you're not failing as a leader, then I think you're wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I don't expect perfection. I don't expect perfection from the staff. I don't expect perfection from battalion commanders who've been doing this for 20 years. Uh, I think it's okay to fail. I think it's to assume risk, mm -hmm. uh, take risk, and go out and do it, right? And if you mess it up, you mess it up. So what, right? I mean, right. we can slap your hand or we can tell you you're wrong, but that's not what I'm going to do. I don't assign... I don't look to assign blame, I look to fix problems. So if you're breaking something or you mess something up, uh, I'm not gonna, personally, I wouldn't wanna flame you. And I don't think any leader above you should should go after you for that failure. I think it's your responsibility to sit down with that individual, explain what they did wrong, and how we can prevent that from going forward. Because you owe it to them as a leader, as a higher level leader, right? And then the same, that leader owes it to their soldier too. You, you know, if a soldier, um, you know, hooks up the trailer incorrectly and then pulls out and it drops off. I mean, okay, he made a mistake or she made a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't deliberately do that. They're not trying to fail. I mean, now if they were on their cell phone or doing something silly like right. that, okay. But, you know, give them that chance mm -hmm. and, and don't get in their face and start yelling, screaming. If I get that flipple or that investigate, 15-6 investigation or safety's telling me something's going on, it's like, okay, well, fine. Mm -hmm. But next time, let's you know, let's build upon that. You know, yes, you hear, we we talk, you and I talk about crawl, walk, run, mm -hmm. and you know, we've been in this COVID environment. We haven't brought brought our stuff out, so let's crawl, walk, and run. I mean, just by doing it. Absolutely. So also in your your eight points for your command philosophy, you talk about transparency. This is huge because transparency means you have to give and then also let your guard down because some leaders may have not identified their confidence. Uh, because when you're transparent, that means you're willing to show your true self. And your true self could be your best self. And also, maybe that soldier in that formation is looking for your true self because maybe they can identify with that. Transparency builds trust. I mean, it so does. I think that's where you're, maybe you're headed with that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to presume anything. Mm -hmm. But transparency builds trust. So if I know as a leader, you're not just telling me you're the best. You're telling me kind of what's happening, what's going wrong. And that's... The reason I put that on there, right? I, I think we're a family. I, I like this. This brigade is a family to me. Exactly. I said it in my, my uh, opening, remarks uh, as when te when I took command, and I keep saying it to everybody here that we are a family, and families don't lie to each other. Uh, we tell each other the truth, and we don't hide mistakes, and we don't hide things that are wrong because those just get bigger and bigger and bigger over time. And the army has a system set up to punish you for that. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to get to that point. Uh, but if you are transparent and you are admitting that, then I can trust you more. I would rather you come tell me that of my five vehicles, four of them are broken, and here's why. And some of it's my fault, um, but some of it's because uh, something's wrong in an Army system. That, that here Now we're discovering what the problem is. But if you just said, I'm five for five, <laughs> and you report that, and I, I, the message that I hope everybody hears on this is when you inaccurately report information and you overinflate what you're doing, it affects your readiness numbers, which affects 
funding mm -hmm. and then you're standing there wondering why you don't have what you need because you're not telling the truth. So, USARC's looking down, right? Mm -hmm. Big Army's looking down and saying, hey, everything is good because you've reported that you're a, a T or you're a one or whatever you are on your USR report, right? Mm -hmm. No. It's not the truth. <laughs> it's not the truth, right? And by doing that, you know, lie that lie perpetuates another lie, which perpetuates another lie and then has the second and third order effect, which mm -hmm. is uh, you're not going to get the money, you're not going to get the resources because you're telling me everything's okay. Now I don't trust you when you come up and say, well, I was lying. Yes, sir. Right. Just Let's just be transparent from the front and move mm -hmm. from there, right? And then you're able to fix it and identify those uh, those gaps to put processes in place yeah. to be able to fix those. So when you come to the yearly training brief, which we just sat through for the last two or three days, long hours, and you see the units with their trainings. But when you go into USR, they are reporting S1, S2, or R1, and R2. And then you look at that, but then the IRL budget is excess $700,000. So you're right when it comes down to transparency and just honestly communicating that. So at your level, you're able to influence the change of the corrective action. Yeah. Or, yeah, you're saying that, and then you get sourced for something by USARC, or you get deployed or mobilized because you're saying you are, and then we come in there and do the dirty work and look. Mm -hmm. And it's not even us, right? The embassy yes, comes in there and looks at you and says, wait a minute, you're actually 50% of what you said you are. Now, now you're held, again, I don't trust you anymore. They're liars. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, I, I, that's what we should teach. I, I, it is generation. I think it's generational a little bit, right? Right. I don't. I think that's. We still live in this zero defect environment. I, everybody thinks they're right all the time. It, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to say I don't know or you don't know say in Puerto Rico. <laughs> it's okay to say that. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, and when we say that, we can build that environment of trust. We can get the ground truth. We can fix problems. We can build processes. We can help each other. I mean, that's the message. That's probably more than what I meant in that two sentences on my command philosophy, but that's what it means. I mean, that's why you're asking. Yes, sir. And it's great to really get your perspective because right now what the soldiers are going to see is your command philosophy. They may be posted up on this old bulletin board that as soon as you walk into their company headquarters along with 36 other memos, the MFRs, and then they don't get a chance to read it or they get skimmers of it through soldiers want them to see. But now being able to hear from your perspective and then taking a little bit deeper I think it provides a, a better understanding and a better understanding of your command philosophy of it. So speaking of that, the command philosophy will be resent out. Um, also, on Microsoft Teams, the SharePoint, it'll go out through text message. The command philosophy is for everyone to look at, so to make sure you're in line with the commander thoughts. So, sir, hearing all the information that you have given us and the knowledge, could you tell us a little bit about your military history and your background, sir? Uh, I can. I mean, we'll put some people to sleep, but I can totally do that. Um, I will say, I think we should offer like a uh, gift card or something like for the first E4 and below that can read back or says that they read uh, read my command philosophy and then the first E5 to E6 that says they have. I think that'd be an interesting. How many people listen to this podcast and then, all right, I'm, I got a gift card for you. If you come into my office or you come to my office and you say, hey, sir, I'm private so-and-so. I did. I heard that and here's your command philosophy. I think that'd be a fun would you give him a brigade hat? Give him a brigade hat? There Absolutely. You go. Okay. Better. Maybe so, with the gift card in it, too. I don't know if I can do that. Well, we are going to work on that gift shop, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the 166 RSG gift shop. <laughs> For those that listen, <laughs> right? Yeah, we're going to build an RSG gift shop. Awesome. Um, oh, my background. Uh, let's see. So I commissioned in 2001. Um, was that 21 years ago? 21 Actually, years. Yeah, it'll be 21 years of yes, commission service. Wait, what's today? 
tomorrow I'll be tomorrow. 21 years of commissioned service. Um, and then I get asked all the time, how are you, how have you been a colonel for two years? And I mean, that might be one of your loaded questions later here. How, did, how do you do that? But I commissioned active duty. I spent five years in first calf, uh, went to Iraq, uh, and then left the military because I foresaw a life of constant deployment, um, being in a combat arms MOS. I was a tanker, a 19 alpha. Um, so you left the military, so you, you came in? for a year okay. yeah, in 2005, and then in 2006, I got a call from a recruiter that said, uh, you're an armor officer, you're sitting in the IRR, you haven't completed your obligation yet, uh, you have two options. Uh, somebody's going to come looking for you, and you're going to go deploy with a mid-team, or you're going to get a company command, or something's going to happen to you, uh, or you can come in the reserves. And then you know you have a little bit more buffer between you and, and going again. And I think they actually offered a ten thousand dollar bonus. Winning. Uh, winning. Yeah. And then, but I, you know, I had always looked at the reserves from the Compo One or active component side as okay, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, my first experience with reserves was lo they were loading at the uh, at the rail yard and putting stuff on there and strapping it down. Like, well, if it falls off, it falls off. Right? <laughs> Okay, so that's the active component perception of the reserves, but as you actually spend more time in the reserves, we're actually more high speed, I would argue, than Compo 1 uh, because of what we what we offer. But then I came, I, I did come back in the reserves. I spent, I don't know, less than six months as a assistant brigade S3 for, a, I think they were called GSUs at the time, hmm. like these big 06 organizations with a bunch of administrative people. And, you know, I just sat around and played Angry Birds while, mm -hmm. you know, during balance. <laughs> And I thought that was terrible, but then I found a cab unit, uh, the second of the 398th Cav, and they had a troop commander position over. And to me, in command, if I could do that every single assignment, that's exactly what I would do. Uh, so I found a troop command and did that for a few years, uh, and then left and went and did um, a S3 time operations chief. Um, I don't remember, mobilization support battalion, something like that. And then went back to that squadron, became the executive officer. Uh, then did some joint time, the Joint Enabling Capabilities Command, spent three years doing that, which was fantastic uh, mm -hmm. for officers. And actually some senior NCOs, that's a, that's a good assignment. Okay. Uh, I would ask that they hit me up about that. I mean, it took me to Korea five, six, seven times, I think, Germany multiple times. I went to Djibouti a couple times. I mean, it sent me all over the world and actually taught me how a staff works. You've heard me talk about yes, the B2C2WG stuff and how to run meetings and all that. And, and, and I guess the point here, and then I, then I took a squadron command uh, or a battalion, uh, and then I went and became a chief of staff at a one-star level, and, and then the deputy commander when the deputy commander left. Uh, so lots of experience, been at every level. Mm -hmm. I would say I have been at the four-star level because when we were at the JEC, we did work with uh, four-star commands. Mm -hmm. um, so the point really is, though, I mean, you can make that career whatever you want it to be, and I highly encourage, and I know it's a little tough, on the island to, to move up and down from the, the company to the battalion, to the brigade, to the division, up to, you know, above the division level, ESCs or TSEs or um, any four-star command on the active component side, uh, to really gain that so you can understand the tactical level of business, the operational level of business, and then as you get further along in your career, that strategic level. And that's why I love about the Army, how they move officers around, right? Mm -hmm. You're a tactical level when you're a company commander, you go up to battalion, now you're op completely operational, then you come up to be a brigade commander and you get to walk the line between operational and strategic at the same time. And that's that's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's it's been a good career so far, but by far this is the best opportunity or the best experience I've had. Uh, I mean, that's no joke. I would, yes, sir. I, I, I jokingly text my former one star that I worked for and told him last night, I said, you know, hey, 
I, this is an amazing command, and I, I feel more than blessed that this has uh, been handed to me. And I'm, I'm glad whoever in the Army was making those decisions figured that out and stuck mm -hmm. me here, because it's been great. Yes, sir. Can't wait to see what else we, we you and I do together, right, because we're building this team here. So I'm excited. So, sir, speaking and hearing about your career, you moved along pretty fast, and you have a vast amount of experience. What are some of your keys to success to get to the OSIC level? The truth, the real, the truth, like... The ground truth, yes, sir. right? Yeah, we did talk about that. So there's some, probably some lieutenants and captains out there that I have spoken to, uh, and if I haven't, um, to me, in the reserves, I think you just need to be better than mediocre. And, and what I mean by that is don't, don't half-ass what you're doing, mm -hmm. right? Just look at the requirements, look at your schooling, take positions of increased responsibility, move around every two to three years, and then work your way up that ladder, right? Mm -hmm. Work your way from company to battalion, then spend some time in the battalion, work your way up to brigade, work your way up to that one star, or that division one star level, right? If it's an ESC, a, an MSC, whatever it is, and spend two to three years in each one of those positions, but you have to move around, mm -hmm. and you have to do your PME, you have to do ILE as an officer, you have to do ILE AOC, you have to, take those commands, you have to take a battalion command. Um, and that that is how you get ahead of the system in terms of am I required, am I meeting the requirements? Because when they look at the board, they say, did he do battalion command? Does he have all his schooling? Does he have these things? Or does she have these things that are required for you to move to that next level? Mm -hmm. uh, and then of course you have to be a performer, mm -hmm. right? You don't have to be a top block in everything you do. You have to at least be better than you know, the other two thirds of the command, where yes. you can sit there and say, yeah, this this person that's senior rating me in the future would say, I wanna work with that individual again. Uh, not to the, again, not that you have to be the best, but they trust you and you are a performer and that you are working. So it's good paper, I always call it paper, right? your evaluation is good paper, and then your PME, mm -hmm. and, and moving around, mm -hmm. right? I mean, on, on, on Puerto Rico, I mean, I run into a lot of people that have spent their entire career here, and you're limiting yourself. Mm -hmm. If you make it to Colonel, which everybody has the opportunity to make it to 06, after that, you know they're going to look at your limitations and say, well, you never left the island. Well, becoming a general officer at that point is going to be pretty difficult if that's what you aspire to be. But mm -hmm. I think everybody can make major in Lieutenant Colonel and Colonel. It's, it's not as hard as they think it is. You just got to put in the work. Yes, sir. And also putting the work is uh, doing what others are not willing to do, yeah. um, to willing to move around, to test yourself, to look for new opportunities to also to build yourself and to bring back that experience to and bring it back but to give to another organization because now you become more well-rounded more seasoned and then you're able to provide more tools to your soldiers to develop so i i, I agree with you on that well, you develop wisdom right? yes sir i mean there's that pyramid i wish i had it in front of me right at mm -hmm. the bottom of that period is information mm -hmm. everybody has information right i have yes. a cell phone and i can google it but as you go through time and you go through these different levels you get to the top and usually, you know, you're over 40 or have had multiple experiences. Um, now you've gained wisdom, and then you can take that wisdom and impart that on others, mm -hmm. right? Here's how I'm, I've seen all my experiences holistically. Now you can take information, process it in your mind, and rather than just act on information, you're thinking through the process. You're thinking about the experiences you've had in life or the knowledge that you've gained in school or the knowledge you've gained in these different experiences, and then making a decision or... Mm -hmm acting on it. I mean, it's, it, it, I, 
I'd encourage you to read. If I can find that pyramid, I'm going to mm-hmm. get it because I know that stuff interests you. Yeah, please do. And then we also will share it with the audience as well. So, sir, I know you have about three other meetings, and I believe we're the only two that's in this building. Yeah. <laughs> um, I but I, the DCO is waiting for The DCO is waiting on you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, one thing I do want to, to ask you. Unfortunately, but fortunately, we do know that your tenure will have to come to an end. Mm-hmm. That is roughly about two years, maybe a couple months if you extend. But if you had your way what is one thing that you would want the soldiers to remember about colonel slaughter once he left other than the hat other than the hat (laughs) but hopefully the hat will last traditions and 30 years from now it's still the same i I don't know that's tough man i mean i would want i want i want everybody to remember or at least carry on the tradition of saying no failing and i don't mean that negatively or pejoratively i mean taking responsibility for yourself and your company and your actions and then doing what is best for the army that's best for the soldiers best for your and best for yourself kind of finding that mix doing it right don't do business as usual Mm -hmm. i think that's you didn't ask me if there was anything frustrating but coming here everything was a business as usual mentality and then thank goodness i was paired with you and you and i seem to be um very symbiotic creatures, right? Where we look at innovative things to do and find solutions to problems that are outside of doctrine or outside of the way we used to do things. And I would just encourage that we build a generation, or if my legacy is anything, it's that I encourage a generation of innovators that there and make make decisions on their own and, and challenge it. And, you know, we you just did the YTB with me, right? We had company commanders come up there and I asked them, you know, oh, you're going to QLEX. Do you want to go to QLEX? I don't know. Yeah, I well, don't know. No, I don't really <laughs> want to go to QLEX. It says you can only take 60 people. Do you want to take 120, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do want to take 120. <laughs> well, then why aren't you asking for that? Sir. So company commanders and lieutenants, I, I mean, you guys own your training schedule. I don't own your training. Your battalion commander doesn't own your training, and that person doesn't have the right to tell you no. Correct. They can tell you you're not resourced mm-hmm. or you have another priority. They can give you a priority and you have to adjust, but for the most part, you got you got to seize the opportunity, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're building the FY twenty three budget right now. I'm going to go out and ask for as much money as I possibly can, and I want you guys to spend it. I want them to spend it, mm-hmm. and I can't spend it unless there's a plan. Yes, sir. And if you're just saying I'm going to do IWQ, well, and your soldiers are hanging their head because all they do is IWQ and they're getting out, mm-hmm. that's on you. <laughs> I've given you every opportunity to make your own decision mm-hmm. and spend the money that you need to spend. So I think that's the legacy I want to do, and hopefully that that continues on. Yes, sir. So also building off of that is that you're right, you are leaving that legacy because we're getting ready to do, of course, the open house. Um, Also taking that and using that platform to be efficient, maximize NBA weekends, taking vehicle displays and then turn them into convoy operations. Um, Then going into September 11th with the CTAS, the Comprehensive Tactical Athlete System that we're going to bring on some first class rights to talk about, but incorporating that to with the family day during battle assembly on health and physical fitness. I think that's awesome. And then, of course, the big one in December, uh, Operation Ruckstar, where we're really going to be innovative and go for it. I think we're going to break the mold on that one. You know, for those that don't know, I mean, that's the German Armed Forces Efficiency Badge. We're, we're going to bring in some cab guys and do a spur ride. Uh, we're going to do, I mean, we're going to get after readiness. We're going to help you. Uh, or provide you the opportunity to get ahead of SRP, get ahead of your medical stuff, um, everything that we can possibly do mm-hmm. to clear that obstacle for you so you can spend the rest of the training year doing the things that you want to do. 
Um, but I will say that family piece is really big. Um, you know, as you know, I brought my wife here, and she started meeting the folks around here and the staff, and she became enamored with mm-hmm. what's going on here. And just how can I help? How can I be a part of it? So yeah, so July, September, we're going to do some FRG stuff. So if anybody actually does listen to this or is mm-hmm. listening to this, bring your spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife wants to meet him. That we want to get this set up so we can expand our family. Right? Yes, I sir. talked about family, so let's make sure we get a family in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Awesome, sir. Well, thank you for taking this time out. Um, I know you're busy. Uh, I'm truly appreciative that you decided to give us your time. I know it's been a long day. I think you probably did about 12 meetings today, you know, give or take, yeah. plus some sidebar meetings as well, and then nature sign a few piece. documents. Yeah, nature of the piece. And then fine. you got about, what, 400 emails from the last two days? Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said emails. I hate emails. <laughs> Let me just cover that for 30 seconds. We got it. It's your, it's your, it's you your know, commercial. We talk, we talk about this. So, for those that are listening to this, if it's more than two emails, you need to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. And I prefer you actually meet face to face. I mean, we have lost the art of face to face communication. We can't have meetings over email. We can't. We can have meetings over team, but teams, but they're not as effective. If you are across the street or upstairs, and you're in your office conducting a teams meeting, that is a that's a no go. Company commanders, come up here to the staff. Come be a part of our S three meetings. Come be a part of our S four meetings. In Get yourself indoctrinated into that and become a part of the battle rhythm, right? All we can do is share information. I mean, we need to do that more and more. And also face-to-face allows you to get the body language to make sure your message is being clear. Um, It it reduces confusion. You can walk away um, with the understanding of face-to-face, eye-to-eye contact meeting that we understand each other. We may not agree at this moment, but at least we understand where we're at. And then, you know, with teams, you get sidetracked. Things are going on. Checking my email. Yeah, people coming in. We're all guilty of that. Watching season four of Ozark. Whatever it is you're doing, right? you're not listening to me on that tennis ball. Yes, Plus, sir. I can see you roll your eyes at me. If, you know, if you think I'm full of it, so, and I need that. You need that feedback. Right? right. You need feedback from the person. Like you're crazy. What are mm-hmm. you talking about? Or those that are silent. I can see them sitting over there in the corner. I don't want to talk in this meeting, but I'm over here rolling my eyes or making faces. And I can be, hey, all right, what's your opinion? What's you know, your opinion? You don't want to speak up but i'm asking you to speak up and yes, that person probably has a really good idea right or or they just want to insult me but it's okay but we had that face to face and you cannot say you didn't have a chance to voice your opinion yep. voice your thoughts and even um contribute to the team that's right mm-hmm. Amen. yeah right. so thank that's you sir that's appreciate it. it no sir that's it no thank you i mean i almost feel like i should give up my phone number to the entire command let so let's We'll put that in your command philosophy. So if they do read it, they will get your phone number. And then they will get the hat from the 166RSG gift shop. First, that reads your command philosophy. That brings it here. It says, hey, I read this and I listened to the podcast. Okay. All right, sir. Thank you very much.